0: Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Come on, on, we're going to be reading out of the book of Ephesians. If you've got your Bible, let me see it. Grab it, reach it out, lift it up in the air today. Come on, say this after me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. God will speak to you today. I believe he will. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I believe that God speaks through the word of God. A lot of people want to know what God sounds like, but they don't want to read what he's already said. And I can tell you that if you are listening to something that does not line up with the word of God, you are listening to a false spirit because God speaks through the word of God and he confirms it through the word of God. So be sure to be a person of the word. Get into the word on a daily basis. We have an amazing Bible, uh, uh, I don't know what you call them, a Bible study plan, Bible reading plan. There you go, hey. These guy's a pastor? No, uh, Bible reading plan. You can pick it up. Get in the Bible on a daily basis, whether it be Psalm a day. I, I have one that I love. You can pick that up at the Connect Corner. It's on actually the Church Center app. I've been using it since I was 17. It's transformed my life. I encourage you, get in the Word of God every single day. Because how many of y'all know we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God? I see a lot of people going around, at least Christians for the most part, malnourished because we're reading pre-digested food, whether it be through articles, watching YouTube videos, or listening to sermons. All that stuff is good. It is good. It is important to have that, but also have the foundation of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, your foundation of prayer, seeking the Lord on a personal basis, uh, is imperative for your life. So we're jumping into a sermon series Out of the book of Ephesians for the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about this phenomenal masterpiece that was written by the book of or the, the apostle Paul that was written to the church at Ephesus. And many scholars believe that it was brought to several other churches throughout Asia Minor and Greece during that time as a foundational scripture of what Christ has done for us and our response to that message. That's how it's broken up into two parts. Chapters 1 through 3 is all about that God has done for you. He's seated you in heavenly places. He's given you every spiritual blessing. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. That's what Christ has done for you. But then chapters 4 through 6 is what is your response? He says, therefore, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He talks about all these things, about putting these things away. So that you can be blameless, holy before God. Talks about how we to, are to interact with one another through the body of Christ. How us individually are supposed to put off certain deeds of, of the flesh. How interaction within marriage. And then it closes out with how we're supposed to stand with the armor of God. In all that God has promised against us. Because what we fight against is not flesh and blood. But against the spiritual authorities of this power. Of powers of this dark world. And uh, we're not going to be diving, diving into that today. Uh, we dove into that a few weeks ago, if God leads, and maybe in the next few weeks, we'll talk about that again. But for this time, we're going to be talking about Christ, our example, part one. And uh, I'm excited to dive into the word today. Before we do, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Would it transform us? God, help us to not just, not just to go in one ear and out the other. Heavenly Father, but I pray that this would actually transform our lives. And And I believe this is for someone here today. You need to expectant for the Holy Spirit to speak to you some of you might be hearing in the voice of the Holy Spirit for the first time today and uh, it comes with your expectation God is speaking it's just a question of if we are listening and so Heavenly Father would you open our ears to hear you open our eyes to see you Lord not not a version of of a man's representation but the one true Father so right now church if you're hungry for the Word of God would you open up your hands and say these words after me say it like you're hungry like you haven't eaten in weeks and you're ready for just a nice, juicy steak. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the word of God this morning, for Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. We are going into the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a phenomenal book. You can read about Paul's encounter in the book of Ephesians, uh, actually in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. How, it's actually some really cool stuff. Like some, some people burnt like millions of dollars worth of scrolls because they encountered the, the one true God, the power of the Holy Spirit. There's like riots happening in Ephesus. It's a really cool uh, story to read about in Acts chapter 19. Uh, Paul spent three years in Ephesus And uh, he set Peter, we find this, or Timothy, we find this in 1 Timothy 1, verse 3, that he set Timothy as the first overseer, the pastor over the church at Ephesus. And and what I love about this book is how it is broken into two parts. Like I said earlier, chapters 1 through 3 and 4 through 6. 1 through 3 communicate what Christ has done for us, 4 through 6 talks about how what we are to do in response to what Christ has done for us. How many of y'all know that we are called to respond to the word, not just listen for it? James says to be not just listeners, but doers. I want to ask you today, what is your response to the message of the cross? I've heard the saying, put your money in your mouth is. How about we put our heart where our hands, where our heart is today? It's not about just listening to the word of God. It's about actually applying it to our lives. And that's my hope to be able to get across to you today. If you got a subtitle, the main title would be Christ our example. Uh, We'll be talking about that for the next four weeks. But if you want a subtitle, Uh, maybe a less spiritual one, would be, uh, these clothes are name brand. These clothes are name brand. There's something about what you wear that kind of identifies you. And this isn't probably right. We probably shouldn't judge people by their outward appearance, but that's what man does. If you see someone wearing a certain type of material, a certain type of clothing, you automatically make an outward judgment upon them. But just like man judges the outward based off of what we wear, can I tell you that God judges our actions based off the fruit it produces. And in our lives, we are called to produce good fruit. That's not an if and or but. That is an absolute. That is no doubt about it. God has, produ- has called us to produce good fruit. That's fruits of holiness, that's fruit of blamelessness, that's fruit of being like Christ and reproducing Christ's agenda and his word here on earth as it is in heaven. Paul gives a good example of this as he lays out what God has done for us. We pick up in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 is where we're going to start. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I want to note right there that Paul claimed himself to be apostle because he was one, not because man put him in that position, but because God put him in that position. That in order to have authority, you have to first be a person that is under authority. Paul was under authority through an encounter with Jesus Christ. Timothy was under authority through Paul placing him over the church at Ephesus. Paul was under authority, therefore he had authority. There's a lot of people going around that are influencers online that aren't subject to anyone. you got to be wary of some of the people. There's got to be someone in your life that can tell you No. I'm fine with influencers. I'm fine with people posting stuff on Instagram and YouTube. I'm fine with all that. But who in their life can tell them no? Can I tell you, no one is exempt from this. Even Paul had someone in his life. James could have told him no. James, the half-brother of Jesus, could have told him no. James was the leader of the church at that time. Every single person needs to be under authority and able to have authority. That's a side note. That's free. That's free. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I looked up every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you know what every stands for? Every. Like every spiritual blessing, that means like freedom, forgiveness of sins. That means be able to be one with Christ. That means be able to have the Holy Spirit within us on a daily basis. Every spiritual blessing means every spiritual blessing. So if you see someone walking in the blessings of Christ, it is your right also to walk in that as well. Because God's not gonna withhold anything back from you. You're His child, you're His son, you're His daughter, and He knows how to give good gifts to His children. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing in christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through jesus christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will don't get caught up on that whole idea of predestined bottom line this is what you need to know some god sovereignly elects and some god adopts through their choice. Because we find just a little bit further in verse 13, he says, you also were included into this family when you responded to what you heard. So there's some that God sets apart. We know this in Jeremiah 1.5. Before you were formed, I knew you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. There's some people that God has set apart before the beginning of time to accomplish his purposes here on earth. That's a fact. You cannot argue against that. But also... There are people that respond to the message of the cross and are therefore adopted into the family of Christ. It's both and. So don't get hung up. Some people take this and they make the entire book just about this one passage. And they get caught in all these little different doctrines. And all that does is distract the church from its main mission and being a light to the world. Some people say, well, if I'm caught up and I'm I'm predestined to automatically go to heaven, that means I can do whatever I want. No, that's not what that means. Because if you were actually called and predestined by God, you wouldn't want to do those things. And you actually probably wouldn't even be asking that question. Sorry, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. I had this conversation for four years when I was in high school. So I dove into that, right? So he has got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You bet I do, right? All right, so amen. So God chose you before you were born. God called you to be a light in the darkness. He called you not to be an infant, though. He called you to be mature, a mature follower of Christ. Not one that continually eats off of milk. That's a malnourished new, uh, Christian. Not one that continued to eats the cud, pre-chewed food from another cow, from something of some other sort. But one that actually knows how to get into the word and knows how to get food from the spirit of God and from the word of God. God has called you to be mature. Ephesians 4 talks about how that we may no longer be infants tossed by the wind and the waves thrown about. God ordained for the church pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and apostles so the church can be mature. There's a role of church leadership to be able to develop people, not to use them, but to be able to strengthen them and to help them to be holy and blameless before the sight of God. But know this today, that the devil wants to deceive us in what it really means to be mature. Can I tell you that immaturity creates instability in your life. It causes you to jump from one decision to another. You never remain rooted long enough to produce anything of any substantial fruit. You're always jumping from one doctrine to another, to something that interests you, to another thing that interests you. See, I don't think God is fickle like that. I don't think God is fickle when he calls you. He calls you and then the devil comes in to try to deceive you to get you to walk away from that calling. See, I believe that God is covenant. That when he calls you to something, he doesn't change his mind, nor should you. And the devil will distract you with little things that look good over here. Tell you what, I don't want what is good. I want what is God. And we should all want that to some extent. Thank you. I got one believer in here that wants what is God's. How many of y'all want God's best for your life? Because there's a lot of distractions that we can can get sidetracked with. And all those things can be good. What if it takes me away from what is God? I got to be open to staying grounded and rooted to what God has called me to do. So if you see instability in your life, it might be because you're operating in immaturity. See, the devil is crafty, and he has schemes. He says things like, hey, hearing about God is good enough. But applying it, the devil wants to leave that out. Hey, you know enough about God. Can I tell you the devil knows more about God than we do? It's not a desire to know about God. We want to know Christ. That knowing is knowing what makes him happy and what makes him sad. What makes him rejoice and what makes him weep. Ephesians talk about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when you take for granted the heart of God. And you decide to take an ax that you know hurt the heart of God. My kids, when they do something and they do something, I don't just tell them, don't do that because it's bad. I tell them don't do that because it hurts my heart. Because I don't want them just to follow a set of rules on what is good and what is bad. I want them to ultimately desire to make their parents' heart rejoice in them. And ours should be too about our Heavenly Father. And we know this today that we will respond to any of these messages, the message of the devil or the message of the cross. And the, the way that you respond to that message will determine the fruit that you have. If you respond to a message that is just about hearing about God and being around the people of God, but you don't ever apply it in your life, you are responding to a gospel that is only half complete. Because we show our faith by what we do, not by what we say, not by what we hear. By what we do. I show you my faith by my works, Faith without works is dead. And Paul's going to be talking about this. The entire church talks about this, that there are things that people should see from the outward appearance who we truly follow. That's what it means to be a a doer rather than just a hearer. So in Ephesians 1.17, Paul says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better so that you can know him better because some of us have some proclivities to 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 step away from God on a regular basis I'm not saying that that's explicitly bad yes it's contrary to the will of God but God can still work in the middle of that there's no guilt or condemnation for those that are in Christ so don't cancel yourself if Christ hasn't canceled you yeah you stumbled yeah you fell but greater is he that is in you you don't got to worry about what you've done because you are being renewed day by day into the image and likeness of Christ so yeah you did that but you're not that. It's about finding a new identity in Christ. And that's available and we I encourage you guys read through this study journal. Don't just let it sit on your mantle, don't just let it sit on your car, but in your car but dive into it on a daily basis. It's f- six chapters of the Bible. Six chapters. You could read it in probably 20 minutes. If you read two times speed, you could probably listen to it in 7 minutes on the app. Right? But let's be people that aren't just in church, but we're actually being the church and we're being in the word of God, right? Like for some of us that are newly saved in here, I implore you, get in the word of God. For some of you, have been saved for 20 plus years and you've put that on the shelf and you dive into it when something interests you, but you need to get into it on a daily basis. He's the bread of life. The word is the bread of life. Get into it on a daily basis. It's not just about, well, I listen to podcasts now and, and I listen to more theological and I read more theological studies and, you know, these are more of like adding to, to, to the Bible that I already know. No, let the word of God speak and let that interpret the commentaries that you're reading. Don't let the commentaries interpret the Bible right? Because now you're following a person's opinion. There's nothing wrong with commentaries. I love them. I have one as I'm studying for this. Those are all great. But to be able to hear from God is a continuous thing that we are never called to walk away from. Know this, that some people, they decide to follow Jesus, and they know him as Savior, not as Lord. So they only follow him for a certain amount, and then they kind of grow cold, and they start doing the church thing, when I don't believe that's what the relationship with God is supposed to be like. I believe it's supposed to be one that the same God that you encountered day one when your life was changed is the same God that you can encounter on a daily basis. So that you can walk up to someone in the middle of their pit in despair and you can say, Gold and silver, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. But you can't give something that you don't have. So to get into the word, to get into prayer, to get into fasting, we're not talking about half-hearted Christians. Christianity isn't something that you try on. You don't try on being a Christian. You give your whole life over to Christ. Well, I tried that Christian thing. No, you don't try it. You don't try it. You give it all over to God. That means my mind, my will, my emotions, and my actions. Well, I did the church thing. You don't do the church thing. You are the church. So obviously there was some kind of revelation that was, that, was, that was wrong. If you thought of it as, I tried the church thing, I tried the Jesus thing, then I question if that even is what you encountered. Because what I know is that when I encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, which is available to you right now, when I encounter it, there is no denying what I encountered. That was the grace of God that transformed my life, that set me free. And that's available for you today on a daily basis that same God that we encountered when we first saw him is the same God that wants to walk with you day in and day out Paul says I desire that you would know Christ that you would know Christ how we grown cold in our knowing of Christ then now we partake in things that actually hurt his heart thinking it's not that big of a deal that I step into this, or I do that. Yeah, I sin every once in a while. That's, you aren't disgusted with sin like God is, and I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would give us the revelation of how much sin breaks your heart. God, that we would no longer treat it with contempt, that we would no longer be passive to it. God, if it hurts you, God, let it hurt us. I pray that you would give us a revelation, God, of your joy and your heart towards us, that we would wanna please, please you, our Heavenly Father. Not ourselves anymore in Jesus' name. God reveal that to us. He says that you would know Christ. Why do I need to know Christ? Because I'm messed up. I got a lot of problems. I'll use the pastor. I got problems too. I'm human. That's not an excuse, but I got problems too. You know why I need to know Christ? Because He knows me. And if He knows me, He knows how to fix me. Some of us are trying to go off and trying to find the next best course to quit this and the next best thing to quit that. And you haven't even started crying out to God. And you're saying, God, give me that revelation. We'll take this five-step course and you can stop what you're doing. Take this five-step course and you can be a millionaire. God says, if you would act on the business idea that I gave you, if you would just step out and do what I've called you to do, some of us are so overwhelmed with information that we become paralyzed. But if you just did what you knew, if you did what you knew to do, you would soon discover that you will find the new you. Well, I just want to know more about God. I just want to know more about God. How about you actually do what he's already said? Right? Well, I've known about God and I've all the intricacies and all the things about God and this church and his family and all of that. Yeah, but do you pray? Do you seek his face? Do you actually apply? Do you ever witness anyone about Jesus and that grace you've encountered? Well, I just want to know about God. See, if you really encounter God, it automatically affects your actions. Paul said that you would know him better. Why do I need to know him? Because who I am and who God enables me to be in him, when I know him, he can help fix me. So Ephesians has these two different parts, kind of like our life. There is what God has done for us and our response to what God has done. And in the middle, there's a transformation that needs to take place. There's a transformation that happens from who I was to who I am becoming. Notice that when you first encounter Christ, you are awakened to what God has for you. That's what Ephesians 1 through 3 is talking about. God has all these things for you. Now wake up, oh sleeper, in Christ's that Christ's face may shine on you. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. But 4 through 6 is talking about all that you're called to do through the power of the Holy Spirit for Christ. But in the middle right there is there's this one word, therefore. Therefore, there's a transformation that has to happen in our lives. And that transformation doesn't come through hearing. That transformation doesn't come through thinking. That transformation ultimately is reflected by our actions. Because yes, we our ears are enlightened by what we hear, and our minds are transformed by how we think. But ultimately, what we do, our actions bring us into alignment. James said, I will show you my faith by what I do. It's what I do well, thanks God, you know, he saved me, he's called me by name, I am his, you know, heaven is mine, I am his, and he's his mine, and he will say, I never knew you. I didn't know you. Your life didn't look like you encountered the Holy Spirit, and I gotta, I'm afraid right now as a church, at least a, a nationwide, whatever it may be, but I'm, it's not going to be this church in the name of Jesus where we take the grace of God for granted. No. Because if he saved me and he redeemed me and he called me by name, I was purchased with a price. Therefore, I honor him with my body, with all that I have. So there's a transformation that needs to happen in between being awakened and coming alive in Christ. Right in the middle is a transformation. That's why it's important that you stay planted in a church. That's why it's important that you read the Bible. That's why it's important that you pray and you don't try on Christianity. You give your life to Jesus. And when you give your life to him, you are now a part of the body of Christ. And you work in harmony with others in the body in the key of C. That's the key of Christ. In harmony with one another as the body of Christ, you work together. As one person desires to be holy. Can I tell you, it encourages someone else to be holy. But also as leaven leavens the whole lump, so too does the opposite happen. That if a person starts to disregard holiness for the sake of the world... It starts to leaven, and go throughout the whole church. But I thank God that he raises up a standard in the times of darkness. That he says these are his people called by his name. Humble themselves and praying and repenting from their sins and seeking his face. He hears from heaven. See, I believe that God is looking for a people that will say God's ways are higher than my ways. I don't care what I want to do. I'm acknowledging that what he has ordained and what he has said is the true truth. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for a church to be holy and blameless see we say we know him and I desire that this church would be a church that knows him and when you do what you know being planted and rooted in things of God you will find stability in what is uncertain because there's tumultuous times right now and we're seeing it happen not just in the business sector but also in the church And it's my fear that their foundation was not built off of Christ, the solid rock we stand. Everywhere else is shifting sand. That's my fear. And as a church, I desire that this house would be one that can stand strong during the storms of life. That we don't have to worry about what comes tomorrow because we know who holds it. And so you can find hope in the fact that if Christ has you, he's not going to let go of you. So you don't got to worry about tomorrow. So we continue on in verse 18, chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you. What's he talking about? That you would have a revelation, an awakening to what he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. So God has called us from darkness into light in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I don't know about you, my friend, but there's a spirit behind all this stuff going on in the world over the past three years. If you haven't been awakened to it, it's about time that we wake up to the fact that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And we had a sermon series a few weeks ago. I encourage you to listen to that. We might dive into it again here in a few other weeks, just about the idea of what the church is called to do in wrestling against principalities and dark powers of this dark world. He says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. See, so he's saying all of us, guys, we're not alone. You're not alone. Shut that devil up that keeps telling you you're the only one. That's not true, right? You're not alone. So quit acting like you are. Right? We all, Paul's saying we've all done this at one point. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it says, by grace you have been saved, not by your works. You're not saved by your works, but you are saved for good works. Those good works should reflect God's work in you. The fruits of the holy spirit in your life it's not just about knowing about god but it's letting what you know about god actually affect your life and when it inf- affects your life people can look on the outside and see what brand of clothes you're wearing there should be something different we shouldn't partake in certain things that the world partakes in paul continues in this idea of what it means sorry actually i'm, I'm jumping ahead i don't want to jump too far ahead because i want to make sure i get this point across so we're saved not for, from our good works, but for our good works. What you do seals what you believe. So you may say, and we may say, that I believe a certain thing. But it's ultimately our actions that align our hearts. Because we can talk about knowing about God. We can talk about the Christian thing. But it's my, I'm afraid that we may be caught in this weird little paradigm where we know a lot about God but it hasn't even affected our lives and as a church for us to be a light in the darkness there's got to be something that's different there's got to be certain things that we put away we got to be able to stand up and say having sex before marriage is wrong we got to be able to stand up and say killing babies in the womb is wrong this is not a political issue my friend this is a kingdom issue we got to be able to stand up and say that all these different genders that are affecting our society and saying anyone can just be whatever they want to be and they can just live their truth. No, I know that there is one truth and in the beginning God created the male and female. So we can't just let the world continue to name these things. And we can get all sorts of claps for those issues, but I'm afraid that people are more appropriate to clap for that than they are to clap about Jesus Christ because we make it about these political issues and we make it about standing up for something, but it's less about that. That's the kingdom. And when we clap about that and we get so excited about that, we miss the main thing, that there are dark forces around this world trying to influence people away from the things of Christ. And so this is what the devil will do is you'll start to influence the church and say, yeah, sex before marriage is okay, but what you don't know is happening is that you're creating spiritual soul ties to people and you need to be broken free of those. Some of you, you need freedom from that. You keep having dreams of your spouse or your ex, boyfriend, girlfriend, you name it. And you are being haunted because of spiritual soul ties that he has come to set you free from. That's the freedom of Christ. He has came to set the captive free. Right, so we live in the world, we say, well, yeah, I can just get drunk on the weekends, that's fine. Paul says, don't get drunk, we read about that in Ephesians, but get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Man, I just need a few drinks to be confident. I just need a few drinks to be able to step out and be able to talk to people and have some fun. Paul's saying, yeah, I understand that. People get confident because they drink, but can I tell you that same confidence is available to you by the power of the Holy Spirit? Because everything that God has, the devil has a copy of. So God's going to go through, and he's going to try to paint this paradigm for the world, and the devil's going to try to come in with a counterfeit. And he's going to try to say, yeah, a little bit of God is good, but you can have a little bit of this. If I put a little bit of poison in a glass of water, saying it's just a little bit of poison. But what the devil's going to do is he's going to thwart God's purposes in your life. Because where you set yourself apart to be holy before God, God fills with his power and his anointing. Many of us are going around, we're saying, God, I want to see more miracles. God, I want to see more things happen within your church. God, I want to see more healings. God, I want to see more transformation. And God's saying, make time for me. Because I can't fill anything up that you're not making room for. You got to say no to some things that are good so that you can get the God thing. There is a level in your life where you have to say no to certain things to get what God has for you. You have to make a choice. You got to make your choice to have your actions align with what your mouth is saying and your mind is thinking. Eventually, you got to do it. Eventually, you got to be a person that gets in the word. Eventually, you got to be a person that makes church a non-negotiable. Eventually, you got to be a person that fasts and prays and asks God to fill your cup. Eventually, you got to be a person that gets away to pray. Eventually, you got to make a choice to go out and get those empty jars i just got this small little jar eventually you got to make a choice to put off the old self and put on the new self because my faith without my works is dead get this my fruit shows my faith and as i place myself in alignment with the lord and i start to put apart put aside things I'm excited for you guys to be able to dive into this Ephesians 4 through 6 talks a lot about this stuff guys like I'm not just preaching hey stop doing this Paul says let there be no hint of sexual immorality well preacher preacher, you probably shouldn't preach like that because there's a lot of people in in the world that might get offended by that Paul's addressing the church and I'm talking to a church right now I'm talking to a church and if you haven't made my city your home hey we'd love to be able to have you God has transformed my life And I would have no other life. I would desire no other life but this one. Well, God puts so many stipulations on people. He doesn't put those stipulations because he's trying to hold something back. He's trying to give you freedom. Because I don't know about you, I put up a fence in my backyard not to keep my dog bound, but so that she could run around free and not have to worry about getting hit by a car. So God puts these boundaries because he knows our proclivities to destroy our own lives. He says, this isn't going to fill you. Only I'm going to fill you. So to give your whole life over to Christ, that's what we're all called to do. That's where we'll actually truly find life. I implore you, that is the truth. Everything else is counterfeit. Every single job, every single desire to have all sorts of riches and wealth, all that stuff is fine. But when you have a love for that more than God, you are serving a spirit of this world called mammon. And you're gonna find that that's gonna leave you empty and leave you nothing but shallow inside some people are going around I just want to have sex with as many people as I possibly can cool great now what that's not gonna fill you he does not complete you she does not complete you Christ fills you he fills your cup to overflowing there's a joy in It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Well, I don't wanna follow God because I'm afraid that he might ask me to be single. If that's what God has for you... Guys, we get into all these different rants and these reasons as to why we can't follow Christ. That's the schemes of the devil. Yeah, you don't, you don't wanna follow God because he he's not gonna let you do this anymore. And God's saying, I got so much more for you on the other side of this, right? You think that that is going to fulfill you? That's a lie from the pit of hell. It will not fill you. That Those drugs will not fill you. They will give you a high, and you'll feel good for a short. But there is no high like the most high I had to do in Jesus' name, right? So he says this in Ephesians four fourteen, and I'm close, and I don't know what time it is. I don't know what it is see what all right all right we're we're still preaching right okay next week second service for the month of july we'll have to be out we'll have to be done by like 12:10, so you guys are going to get a little bit more here but it's just because they got the castles on the side and you see that they're going to be doing plays in here at 2 p.m on sunday so how about you stick around and help tear down then we can preach a little bit longer on the month of july. No, no 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 all right all right hey, hey hey back to the word back to the word we're shown by our works right We're shown by our works and our actions. Ephesians 4.14 says, God gave all these apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, right? Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Right? Does that sound familiar? This is going to fill you. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, as you desire to be holy as he is holy, it encourages your brother on your right and your sister on the left also to be holy as Christ is holy. As you start to say, Hey man, I've had a few too many drinks, I'm not gonna have any more. You know what, bro? I don't think I'm gonna have any more either. We hold each other accountable. Right? Hey, I'm not going to go to that movie. You know, the rating or whatever says that it's, it it has some nudity things and I have some problems with nudity and I think it's wrong and I don't think I should be staring at that stuff or even exposing my heart to that. So I'm going to stay away from that. And that gives your brother or sister permission to do the same. But in the opposite, it also works towards sin. It leavens the whole lump. But in the power of the Spirit, it also strengthens the church because if you have one person that has operated a gift of prophecy or deliverance or stepping in a word of knowledge it encourages your brother and sister to do the same. And As a church I was having a conversation with someone backstage earlier and I was saying teaching the church how to walk in the gifts is is muddy because it just is because we're all full of people and we're all learning different stuff and it's okay for me because I would rather have an effective church than a pristine church. I would rather have people operating and making a difference in the spiritual realm than those that just in the physical look like they have it all together. But if we're not pushing back darkness and we're not encountering the demonic strongholds or the things that are in people's lives and helping people get set free from that, and we're not encountering that, I question if we're even making a kingdom impact. Can I tell you, as a church... You don't have to be bound by those things anymore. Like you are called, as Christ said, freedom. Christ has set us free. So Paul says, start putting these things aside. Don't do them. When you used to do them, you follow the ways of this world, but you're not doing them anymore. You're not like that anymore. So he says this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, this is verse 17, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. This is Paul talking to the church. Pastor, that kind seems kind of... Paul's talking to the church. He's saying, don't be like that anymore. You don't have to be like that anymore. I'm not talking to unbelievers right now. I'm talking to our church. I'm saying we don't have to be like that to be relevant. You don't have to be like that. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness to put on the new self is to put on christ in you there's a lot of similarities within ephesians and colossians i encourage you also if you want to cross reference to read the book of the colossians but it talks about how christ in you is the hope of glory the hope for you to be transformed god how do i put off my old self well you know what i looked up in the greek what it meant to put on the new self you know what it means Put it on like a jacket like a piece of clothing so as far as i can take off the new self the moment i realize man i'm living in the flesh again i can go back wow i need to put on the new self again i'm not what i was doing so i just need to go and pick it up again that's how simple it is don't get stuck and sucking in your old self And thinking, man, I've got to work back and i got to try to, you know, go to church all these times and start praying all these times. And then I can put, Paul says, no, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So just go and pick it and put the new self right back on again. Don't subscribe to that. Unsubscribe. I I ain't following you anymore. I'm going to put on the new self. Who's being made new day by day to the image and likeness of Christ, our example. Would you stand to your feet? So I wrote down here, when we put on Christ, you're not putting on Christ like you're Snuggie. He's not your spiritual Snuggie. He is your Savior, and He is your Lord. And He is clothing you and putting a garment on you. This isn't you just going around, I just gotta get better and I gotta pick up myself better and I gotta pull up by my bootstraps and be better for the Lord. No, it's by grace you have been saved. That is Christ coming on your preferably spiritual naked body and putting a garment around you, just like he did the woman that was caught in adultery, just like he did Adam and Eve. He came and he put his flesh on top of you so that you can be the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what it means to be clothed in Christ and so I want to pray for the church before we dismiss that we'd be a church that puts on righteousness that we put on the new self that we don't get caught up in what we've done or God forbid where we've been And so there's some people in here today that I mentioned a few things that even within regards to soul ties and and within like sexual um, relationships and, and for you for someone in here you need to be able to forgive because that was not right what happened to you and so it starts with forgiveness you can try to get healing and freedom from that but if you don't first forgive you're going to find he even talks about in Ephesians about giving the devil a foothold right so it starts with forgiveness and you need to be able to forgive right and, and I feel like actually that's where we need to we're actually going to land the plane right there for, for you not just in the sexual idea but also within life you need to forgive yourself you need to forgive what you have done even after you profess to follow Jesus God understands your proclivities he understands your sinful nature right but he's saying you don't have to stay there any longer why do you keep living in the past when I moved on from it And I threw your sin as far as the east is from the west. So you've been going around and saying, yeah, God, I've disqualified myself from ever being used by you because I did something in seventh grade. And God's saying, I got rid of that a long time ago. Why do you keep living in it? Right, so you need to be able to forgive yourself. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd give people the revelation of the power of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. God, I pray that we would be light in this dark world. But help us, Lord, as David said, cleanse my heart with hyssop. God, I pray that you would cleanse us right now. Holy Spirit, I said a lot during this message. I pray that there would be no grounds for the devil to come in and to to thwart what you planted and to pick up those seeds, God, or any type of plan to, to remove or distort the truth of God. God, I pray that we would have a true revelation of the power of Jesus Christ working in and through us. God, I thank you for your church, your bride that you're coming back for. Help us, Lord, to be holy in your sight, to be blameless. God, I pray that you would help us to lay down anything that so easily entangles us. God, to pick up our cross and follow you. God, I pray for freedom amongst your people, freedom amongst your church. I pray for healing to happen. I pray for deliverance in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that people would have the strength to be able to renounce the things that are holding them back. God, to step into the light and the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that you are working all things. God, and you're creating in us a new creation. That the old is gone and the new has come. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.